Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. Today I'm bringing you one of my favorite interviews from the St. Paul Ice Show. This one is from one of the biggest characters on the show floor. He is Pat Calmerton. Calmerton is a fishing guide on Lake Michigan. He also does trips on inland lakes, and he's known as an expert on tip-up fishing. And that's our topic today. Pat also brings the fire on a topic near and dear to his heart. That's kids in the outdoors. Let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast with the St. Paul Ice Show. We're hanging out in a Team Lodge Fish House with Pat Calmerton. Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Busy. Busy. I'm, I'm busy. I'm hot. Just got done with the seminar. I'm all sweaty. You were just picking on me for handing my hat off to pick a <laughs> pick a ticket. I mean, if anybody, anybody knows who I am, it's just, uh, 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 man, I'm a mess. I'm like a squirrel on a... On a Wait, what do they say? I don't even know how that goes. Squirrel on a branch with nowhere to go or something like there you that? Go. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I hung out and watched your seminar for a while and I was shocked that you went long. <laughs> Ava, now I know that you're lying because I, <laughs> I have zero issues of talking for a very long time. Right. I get excited. You do. I get off track. You do that as well. <laughs> and that's, I mean, one of the things that, that we want to talk about today is tip-up fishing. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's something that is really simple, but yet incredibly complicated. <sighs> and that's what makes it interesting is you can go out and do it pretty much any way you want to do it, but there's a lot of little small things that can lead to big results. Yeah, I think that when you... that. That right there is the biggest example of the problem that we have right now is everybody that is wanting to uh, look at a tip-up, um, they think it's complicated, where really the functionality of a tip-up hasn't changed in you know, 50 years, 60 years, whatever the case may have been. It has uh, very simple to use, just different tweaks, if you will, right. just to be able to the fish different species at different times by very minimal effort and it's exact same as far as the tip up itself the functionality it's just different ways of knowing how to use them so it doesn't matter what color a tip up that you have it doesn't matter if it's you know blue orange pink green whatever the case may be it has you know like i was saying earlier you know as far as the seminar goes there's a shaft there's a spool there's a t-bar and there's a spring you know and you may have a round tip up you may have a, a stick tip up you may have a rail style tip up you know but not only that but it goes much past the tip ups you said that we were sitting in a team lodge now you have all the you know you have all the um, rattle reels and everything else and the holes are positioned all over the place of course the catch covers are on there so you're not stepping through the floor right. you know but when you want to use them you pop that cover off and you throw that rattle reel out and here we go. And it's basically running a tip up inside of a house. Sure. And you can do the same thing on the side of a, sa you know, you can use, you can set these things anywhere and everywhere now that you have the, you know, the, the new clam plate. I mean, they slide on all over the place. Those clam locks that you can switch out all over the place. You can throw, a, I have them on the back of my four wheelers. I have them on the side. I mean, I think I'm just gonna drill them into the side of my truck when I'm, 
you know, use it as a windbreak. Now I got a rattle reel going as a tip-up. What the heck? Well, I guess we'll start at the beginning. You know, why why should people even use tip-ups? I know a lot of people that don't even take them with them when they go on the ice. So, so why a tip-up? Because going back, the the biggest misconception of a tip-up is you're going to use them for pike and walleye and pike and walleye only. You know, so they're not going to take their their time to put them out there when they don't need to. Now, on the flip side of that is you're going to have different. Um, different applications that you can really do as far as a panfish and everything else with a tip-up. But there again, people think that you need a tremendous amount of work to be able to do it, but they don't think of the aspects of it being the, their scout, their you know, second man or second woman, if you will, if you're alone or if a group of people, you set it up on the perimeter all the way around and you start fishing in that bullseye and you use them as your scouting device. Or on the other hand, I was talking about Montana, is if we, um, out in Montana, where you can leave six lines as long as they're labeled, you know, you can leave them out overnight, and you come back next day, and you see where those active fish are. So all of a sudden I caught a lake trout here and a lake trout here, and they're within a, a little ways of each other. That's where I'm gonna start my day tomorrow because I know that there's active fish in that area. Right, it, it just gives you another opportunity to catch fish. Yeah, oh, 100%. If I can put grease on my fingers, I'm all, I'm all game. I'm excited about that. You, you said something there that was interesting, though. You said uh, tip-ups for panfish. Yeah. And, and that's something that, that I don't think anyone really thinks about. So tell me how you use a tip-up for panfish. Well, it's the same same thing. So you have your lead line or your backing, okay? So you have your tip-up backing that's going to be your standard on all of your tip-ups all the way across, no matter if you're pike fish or pan fishing. Now, all we have is a quick clasp on the end of it, and from there, it's a business end. So when I'm done there, if I'm not pike fishing, I'm gonna go pan fishing. All I have is a three or four pound fluorocarbon coming down and I have my favorite jig or whatnot. But he, here's the thing, why I started doing that is when I'm clientele fishing all the time with clients and they, they can't catch a fish when they're jigging the fish, but then when they put the, the rod in the rod holder and they're drinking beer and all of a sudden they're catching fish. Right. Well, because of that fish may not want all that movement. They might not want that rapid action of, you know, you jigging or, or anything else. So if you put that down there on a tip up or on a rattle reel or whatnot, and you know, you got that larvae or you got that plastic or whatever the case may be on the business end, now you're, you just have another line. You know, a lot of times when you, when you catch a fish um, that's just dead sticking like that, it's usually the biggest fish of the day because right. those big mature bull bluegills or that big old crappie is just sitting there watching it and here you go test it first you know it's like the wise old the big the old bull and the new bull hey let's run down there that whole story yeah, yeah you know we can walk down there and have them all so that that's kind of it so what do you do though i, I saw you in your seminar showing you're kind of doing some different stuff with the with the tip-ups and and you were kind of slanting that that rod um, the, the rod of the tip up itself, yes. you're not putting that straight up and down like most people will do when they're going to put that at a 90 degree angle. Uh, you had it kind of set at a different angle. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because the spool, the, the I guess the access point or the uh, delivery point of every spool is going to be through that goofy singular or that goofy circular line guide on the bottom. So when you have that spool that's sitting perfectly horizontal, it has a 90 degree, when that line comes off, it has to go through that spool going out in a 90 degree turn. 
anytime that you put a turn in anything, it's going to create more resistance at the bottom end. So if a panfish, if it's sitting straight up and down, that rod, if, you, if you're pulling straight down, it has to go off to the side and then make that 90 degree and go down. If you eliminate that and make it more of a straight shot, even a 45, even a 30, whatever the case may be, if you eliminate some of that and you make it more of a vertical, you know, it's kind of like the uh, inline reels, you know, the whole concept of that is easier retreat or easier drop down and stuff like that where it goes like, so all I'm doing is taking that 90 degree turn, tilting that shaft to the other way and making it a lot easier for them to pull down. Right. And that and that may not make that big of a difference if you're talking about a 40 inch northern or a big brown trout or something like that. So panfish, right? Yeah, but not only that, but your 40 inch pike. I mean, if you're fishing those pike and you're look, you know, you're using them 10, 12 inch suckers, there's a huge difference because you can go the opposite way, and you can lock that flag down, and it's not going to give you that false minnow flag, it's not going to give you the wind flags, it's not going to give you any of that. So you're going to tilt that down and make them actually come down and around that to be able to go. So you're really tuning things just by using just angles. It's my drag. Yeah. It's my drag. That's all it is. You know, the tip-up, normal tip-up doesn't have a drag. Some of them will have the, the uh, reel on the side for a drag. It, it, you can't tell what the species of fish that's going to bite. You know, if you're if you're game fishing, being uh, northern pike, you may have a 30-inch walleye that comes in and sucks it. If you have that drag too tight, you're going to miss that fish. That's fish of a lifetime just because you became ignorant by saying, oh, this is the one fish I'm fishing. It's like when you're pan fishing with a bobber, you know, you, you may get a crappie, you may get a perch, you may get a bluegill. You're happier, you know, you're happy, bobber goes down, you get excited, you're happy about that. Where if you're eliminating that possibility just by setting that drag, your drag, the only drag that you should have on a tip-up is your fingers. You know, your tension that you give that fish the allowance to run is the pressure that you're putting on your fingers with that tip-up line going through your your hand. That's your drag, you know, instead of an actual drag on a reel. Yeah, let's talk about that. So we've been talking a little bit about, you know, pan fishing with tip-ups, which I think is a pretty, you know, it's a different concept that most people don't think about. You talked a little bit how you turn it uh, the other, the opposite direction. So there's a little more friction when you're when you've got maybe a big minnow or something down there. You're going for northerns, um, but let's talk about what happens when that flag goes up. You know, how do you kind of handle that situation? I know that you do a lot of, of fishing down on, on Lake Michigan as well for brown trout, right. which is a, is a fish that's going to really give you a, a battle. So oh yeah, you got to tip up. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about kind of fighting the fish and setting the hook on tip-ups. Yeah, um, so that is that is where you're going to get your controversy, no matter who you talk to. You know, people get very adamant that uh, oh, you can only catch fish this way or you can only catch fish that way, and I'm basically I'm going to tell you what works best in our application. So your brown trout are still a very finicky fish okay so there's zero tension to it when they decide to um, take that bait after sucking it in and looking at it and playing with it and all that other stuff it's going to be a very docile uh, bite all right so it, it, instead of we're downsizing our fluorocarbon on there so we're using the clam frost fluorocarbon downsizing it to like a number 16 treble 
and no weight. That way there's no restriction on that minnow if we're using a minnow. A lot of times we're using spawn sacks or shrimp or something like that. When that fish hits, it's not going to take a tremendous amount of running action. I mean, it, it's going to take it. And, you know, a lot of people are watching the shows where they have the auto, auto fishermen and stuff. And we use those as well where it's a hook setting device in that river system that will set it. But you can also use these tip-ups in the same fashion where if they feel any tension, they're gone. That's why it's so crucial to have a smooth tip-up. So if it's locked down and, you know, you have that drag on there, you're not going to have that smoothness. So once that fish takes off, what's gonna happen is you're gonna go over there and if that, that T-bar is kinda like a panfish on trout, it's only gonna be moving maybe an eighth of a turn at a time because that fish will suck it in, just kinda rotate its body a little bit instead of a real good run. At that point, you're gonna go over, instead of lifting that tip up off to the side to feel the line, you're gonna break it. And when I mean break it, I'm gonna take my hand right on the T-bar up on top and I'm gonna set the hook. Either I'm going to get it or I'm, I'm going to miss it. There is no, oh, there he was, he's gone. You eliminate that aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. So it's either a 50-50, I'm going to get it, or it's gone. But if, it, if you can physically see that fish going the other way, your hook percentages are going to be much greater than that 50-50. I'm talking if it's just sitting there, like, is he there or not? You know, so at that point, then the battle's on. You know, like if you're fighting it on a rod, if, if you know, if you're jigging it out of one of those autos, you have that drag system. But if you don't, get rid of your gloves. You know, your hands are going to get cold. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but you're going to be happy you did. You're going to find where the wind is. So any kind of fishing that you're doing, you're going to be doing pike fishing, walleye fishing, Mostly pike and trout because of the big runs, long runs. If you're if you're lucky enough to get onto ice for muskies before the muskie season closes, you can do that. But you're going to take it and you're going to take long swoops and you're going to throw that tip-up line with the wind. You're not going to throw it into the wind because if you're throwing, when I'm talking, I'm never I'm not going hand over hand. So if on radio, I'm I'm going to be very careful on how I say this. Is when you're your bottom hand being my left hand because I'm right hand dominant, okay? So my, my bottom hand is going to be my drag system. That's how much pressure I'm gonna put on that line by pinching my finger and my forefinger together. And when that fish runs, I'm just gonna let that line run through the crease of my index finger down through the hole. So I, I am creating a 90 degrees, so there's always tension there. So I can lift up my hand and, and have more tension or not. My right hand is my pressure. So when I'm, when I'm pulling up on it, my reel is basically my right hand between my elbow and my wrist pulling that line. And when I'm throwing that line out, I'm throwing it with the wind so it's not bunching up by my knee because if that fish decides to take off again, it's just like a power cord or anything else that you bunch up and then it goes, I don't know how it interwives and creates a knot, but it does. If you have a knot in that line, it weakens that line. So you never want to like bunch that line up. You want to throw it with the wind so it just lays out on the snow or ice. And that way, if that fish wants to run, it can. The other big thing is on a bigger fish, they're going to come up towards the surface and they're going to scoot to the side. So you got to make sure that it's not cutting that line on the bottom of the ice as it's coming in. So there's, there's a lot of trick to it. There's, you know, I've been rainy river rainy lake and you know when uh, double rig setups if they're not all in line you know one hook gets caught on the bottom of the ice as the other hook is in the i've lost some monster fish that way and it just breaks your heart so you learn a few things over the time and 
if you if you ever stick a skimmer down to get that hook off the bottom of the ice, make sure you use the back end and not the front end that has all the holes. That hook will get stuck in the, the bottom and yeah. your fish is gone. May or may not happen to me. Mm. <laughs> That's how you learn, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it was interesting. I mean, there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. I, I really appreciate kind of going through the detail on that. That was really good. Um, you just you just said double rig. Yes. Tell me about that. I mean, that's something that, that I saw you talk about in the seminar. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, there's there's a couple of different things that you're talking. So the double rig you have, it's a quick set rig. You know, Clam makes those quick set rigs, and so does Northland, I think. And a bunch of different uh, manufacturers will have a pre-made up pike rig that has, you know, the spinner baits that makes it legal. So it has little spinner blades, and it has the hooks already, and the cinches. And basically all you do is tie it onto the thing. You have a, a, a loop quick set rig and then you have a double tandem quick set rig so you have um for bigger pipe for bigger bait so i'm using that for the cured smelt or the bloaters if i'm going up north and uh out you know if i'm going out devil's lake or something i have that as far as my big fish stuff okay now the other one that you're talking about is my drop shot rigs, I'm sure. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, so the drop shot rig, I mean, it has become into fruition as far as the bass world and deeper flats, deeper water, the, the bowls, and getting down there, using that bottom weight to uh, get down past and then having that single hook above that with a wacky or whatever. You can use plastics, whatever the case may be, and then another one on top of that. So the state of Wisconsin, we're allowed three lines North Dakota four lines, Montana six lines. I think uh, Minnesota, as long as they're within nine inches of each other, you can use it as one line. You know, I, I think, I, I, you check your regulations. I'm not gonna tell you to go out and do anything illegal. That's your responsibility to make sure that you're within the, the rules and the regulations of the different bodies of water that you're at. But uh, in Wisconsin, you're allowed three lines during the winter or open water. So I have a couple of tip-ups that if I have, let's say, six people, I'm going to have a couple that have a drop shot rig. And that drop shot rig will have two minnows on it. And if I find a body of water that suckers are predominant, or I'll look at the, you know, the studies on what their main forage is. And sometimes it's a sucker and a shiner. Sometimes it's a gold, you know, a rosy and a and a fathead. It doesn't matter what you're what you're going for. But I have two different things that are creating a school of pan or uh, bait fish down there. So I have a couple of couple of minnows that I'm hooking through the back, and they're they're swimming away from each other, creating all kinds of commotion. Because if you hook a minnow through the through the tail, it's going to vibrate and it's going to go the other way. You don't want to get too far up because you'll be through the spine. If you get a real quick little shiver on the minnow when you hook it, either through the back or on the on the tail, it's going to be dead shortly. You got its spine. So make sure that that it has a real good flop to it when you put it in the water. That way you know that that minnow is alive. Put it through the tail. I, I actually happen to start hooking a lot of my minnow through the tail just because it makes more sense. Or those fish are eating it from the head back, and you know, it just instead of trying to find that sweet spot coming halfway through their body, let them fight that hook in their tail. It hurts. It, it doesn't hurt. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm not a minnow. I don't know, but I know that wiggles more, and my fish like it more. And I'm sorry if you, you know, whatever. I'm I'm catching ass fish. So. I don't get through the tail mostly. Okay. Get it. How about tip-ups? I mean, there's a lot of different kind of styles of tip-ups and just shapes and everything like that. Uh, kind of help us sort through that and kind of what's what's the difference there? 
because so you got your thermal rounds you know a lot of people call them round tip-ups or thermal tip-ups and you're supposed to have some insulation in there and can't keep your ice you know your hole um, without ice well let me tell you if it's colder than cold it's gonna ice up and then it becomes more of a headache than anything because you can't get the chisel to the hole to bust that open again right. so if it's really really cold go over your rail style that you can get the chisel down to the the ice or get one of these ice eaters or whatever they have now on the market i mean there's so much stuff coming out nowadays you can be able to do that but uh so they got the thermal <clears throat> thermal tip-ups which are the most convenient you know you can stack nine of them into a six gallon bucket i'm i'm using my liquid box and i got six of them in there eight of them in there i got my vexlar um, I got all my components within this one containment system, okay? So those are all in there. Your thermals are going to be most convenient. Now, once you start getting into the rail style, a lot of people will just take a bucket and they'll throw them all in a bucket and call it good. Well, you know, Lakewood again has the slotted, you know, boxes like this one that you're looking at. It, there's a slotted system in there for tip-ups that fit neatly and you don't get that mess majority of the people are going to throw them all in a five gallon bucket now you're going to spend 15 minutes trying to get the the hook out of the damn flag of the next one and it's happened to all of us I, if you say it didn't have ever happen to you and that's where the frustration comes from i think there's so many people that they shy away from tip-ups because of their they're used to not having that containment system to be organized you know we have been so adapt on uh, over the years on jig boxes and you know switching everything to be that perfect containment system for all applications being our rods our our locators our baits our you know but tip-ups were always that redhead stepchild that was off on the side going how do I fit in type of thing no disrespect to that but it's an old saying where the tip-ups were the same thing where oh they, they just they get into everything and they're on the way well there's you know there's a the straps that you can put over the spools now if you take the hooks and you have a system like I got where you slit that pool noodle in and you got those hooks and everything is wrapped neatly and it takes you two seconds to swap out you know it's a lot easier taking the time when you reel that thing in and you have everything contained than not having any sort of filing system if you will sure. so you have those you got the rail style and it's not only tip-ups. I mean, you can go to the dead stick using the Arctic Warriors. You can go to the rattle reels where, you know, I was I was saying it before where nowadays you have, well, we're sitting at it too much, honestly. You got, you know, I mean, you're, you're throwing these uh, rattle reels on the walls and take that catch cover off and, and, and be tip-up fishing inside your shack and you never even have to go outside. Right. But it, it is nice though, even if you're in a fish house, to get those tip-ups up outside because you're you're spreading out your range. I mean, Correct. if I'm sitting here jigging and then I've got another line right here, I'm basically fishing an eight or nine foot area. Whereas if I get a tip-up set up 20, 30 feet out the window where I can keep an eye on it still, you know, it just expands my range and where I'm fishing. It does, most certainly. So you can, you can scout, you know, different ways of doing that. But there is also one thing, I, I strongly urge you to have that rattle reel down while you're sitting in the house. And here's why. Because if you're pan fishing, if you're, you know, perch fishing, crappie fishing, whatever, and that big mark rolls in and it's sitting right below you, that big mark was, it was brought to you because of the fish that you caught. 
So it attracted that fish. It's in a mood to eat. It saw a flash, it was excited. It came in hot to trot to eat. And if I have that rattle reel that's sitting three feet away, it's almost like that sucker when you're musky fishing, you're casting all day and uh, that float goes down and that cork goes down and they, they hit that sucker. You know, nine out of 10 times instead of taking figure eight or they miss your figure eight and they hit that sucker that's sitting, same exact concept. You're putting that down there for that pike that comes strolling in or that game fish that comes strolling in and now i'm getting that but there is you know that that's a, a tip-ups are awesome because you can spread them out you can use them as that scouting device you can put them out if i'm fishing inside of a house and i got one tip of that continuously goes up on a panfish i'm gonna throw a jacket on it i'm gonna go fish that area right i mean it's, it's just you know you can stay out of a uh, school of fish, even if you're not sitting in a house. If you're outside and you're, you know, um, hole hopping and all that other stuff, it's amazing on how how easy it is to stay on that school of crappies in the flat by having those tip-ups out with just a fat head or a crappie minnow on it. You know? Very good. That, uh People are trying to get in here. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're getting mad at us running, because we stole every, one of the things. I'm right, sorry. I'm every 30 seconds. I know you got places to go to, but uh, appreciate having you on. Is there something that, that I didn't ask you that thinks really important you want to get out before we wrap up here? Yeah, kids. Man, I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of those vets that are out fishing, and there's a lot of uh, thank you for your services and all that, and there's a lot of programs. Uh, women, I'm... I'm I'm ecstatic about how the involvement of women between the WAM programs and the Wisconsin Women Fish and the Becoming Outdoor Woman program, those are all amazing. I know that there's, you know, the programs of take a kid fishing and take a kid hunting and there's the mentor programs and all that stuff. That's exciting too. Um, step outside of the box because forget the fishing, forget the hunting, forget all of that. Just take the kids out, man, because that's our next generation. Somebody did it for us. It fueled our passion. You know, I don't care if you go hiking, camping, skipping rocks. I don't care if you go to the county zoo. I don't care if you, you know, take a trip in the park. It, it's um, the more that these kids are outside, the more apt they are to try the different things. And the sport of fishing is one of them. You know, a very minute part of the the whole realm of going outside. But once they're outside enough, sooner or later they're going to try fishing. And once they fall in love with it, then we got another one hooked. So. Uh, I know it happened to me, it probably happened to you if it didn't and you got, you know, started later in life. I bet you wish you would have started earlier in life. But today there's so much going on and, you know, in the world of, of life that it's hard to take time out of work or whatever else. Biggest thing that I have, the biggest struggle when people tell me about work is, oh, I can't, I have to work. Oh, I can't, and it's 100% their excuse. They're going to replace you at work tomorrow. You know, if something happens to you, they're going to find another body to fill your role. Take the time. Um, let that fresh air recharge your batteries because it's not only good for the kids, it's good for you as well. Yeah, and you started the Facebook page for all this stuff. Tell us about that. I did. It's Take Them Kids Outdoors, uh, TTKO. And the movement or the traction that that thing has gotten is tremendous because um, I'm not having it. There is no acceptance for keyboard warriors out there. You know, if I have a kid that's lighted about a three skip rock across a flat open pond, we're going to comment and people are going to like it because that kid is proud of it. If uh, 
Uncle Johnny, you know, posts something of his niece with a uh, a little deer, thinking that was a doe, but but it was a button buck. That doesn't matter to that kid. It really doesn't. You know, take this trophy hunting away from uh, the realm of things. Throw all this social media of how to shoot a 170 or, you know, get rid of the, I'm after the master angler, I got to get a 30-inch walleye and anything under the, that is um, not what I'm searching for. You forgot what you're doing it. You forgot why you fell in love with the sport. You fell into the trap of, I got to do the grip and grin of the trophy. You know, you forgot what really this sport can do for a soul by just sitting back enjoying it. And that's why I started this TTKO, the Take Them Kids Outdoors. Because um, I want to go back to that that storyline of mom who packs that minivan full of everything with her three kids and they takes that trek across and hits five different national parks and makes a story out of it. Because when she did that and she posted that, it went on my bucket list of what I want to do with my kids. It gave me a new found resource to be able to come up with ideas to take my kids that I think they would enjoy and my wife and spend that family time doing those things away from the ringing of the telephone and the social media. I just had a gentleman, matter of fact, he's a sheriff down in Newton County, Arkansas. Glenn Wheeler, great guy. He couldn't thank me enough. He came up to Blackhawk Lake up in Highland, Wisconsin, and there's no internet, there's no phone, there's no nothing. He was unplugged and he had his 20-year-old son there. And there was no phones out and there was a group of guys and the group of guys left on Sunday and they stayed until Wednesday because he just, he was catching up with his boy. He was figuring out what his boy was about. They had conversations that they haven't had in years. He was delighted. He was more than happy, you know, to do so. He had to call me up and ask me to use a couple of my muzzle loaders. I was 100% okay with that. I, yep, they're in the case. You know where they are. You know, help yourself. And it was just the, the point of him turning life off, enjoying life not worrying about what was going on at home because you can't you didn't have any how when's the last time you or i went anywhere and turned off all of our phones because what was really important at that moment your family your your you know your, your wife your kids whatever were present and nothing else mattered in the world going back to where it was in the 40s and 50s where you know <laughs> going back to where it was in the 90s without a cell phone, without, uh, you know, I mean, computers, without social media, without anything. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have nowhere to be. I have nothing to do. And I'm, I'm not in a hurry because I don't have to make a phone call. I'm not cut short of this experience because I got a text. I don't have to worry about this because of that. Ask yourself when that truly happened. And then on the backside of that, ask yourself, if I got fired tomorrow, would I be replaced by somebody within a week, a day, a year? Is there somebody that's gonna take my spot there? Did I make enough impact in my children's life for them to remember this moment or were they consumed in their phone that they don't remember seeing Mount Rushmore on that family vacation and wanna take their kids to see this historic 
monument that was created by people that, you know, created opportunities for us. That's why I created that site of not to get any notification. There was a gal in New York that just wrote an article about, you know, how I created it. It had nothing to do with me creating it. It was me to document the things that I was doing with my children that I got hacked two years ago and I lost everything that I did. And the only thing that I had after that was memories because I deleted all my photos because I put them on social media because I was dumb enough to think that they would always be there. And those memories are gone other than in my head because I can't get into those accounts because they're hacked. I don't know how that all works. I don't, I don't need to know. All I know, all I know is I was ignorant enough to believe the fact that that was going to be safe and it wasn't and now um, when when Mega did this whole thing on this whole story on how I created it, it wasn't and I, I put a post out there on social media saying this isn't me doing this this is the entire community within this this site that are sharing the experiences and and creating opportunities to create more memories and create the different uh, experiences moving forward. You know, it, my life has changed from, I, I, yeah, I'm loud and yeah, I'm obnoxious, but a lot of things have happened in my life where I know what's important to me and money ain't one of them, work ain't one of them, true happiness is. People always ask me, how did you get into the guide world? This, I'm, my answer is still the same. I create memories. It ain't fishing. I'm not a fishing business. I'm an entertainment business. And anybody that calls me up to go catch a, uh, you know, a limit of fish, I'm not your service. Because I really don't care if we catch a fish because I can't make that fish bite. Yeah, it bothers me. It disturbs me because my job is to catch fish. But more than that, my job is to create that memory of a lifetime for that person that at the deepest moment of their life, let's say grandpa's passed away and the whole family is together, and that grip of grin, fish, no fish, animal, no animal, whatever the case may be, if he's just sitting on the back of the deck because he loves watching that sun come up over Lake Michigan, he's 86 years old, never seen the sun come up over a body of water like that. Feels like he's on an ocean, but he's not. He's on the Great Lakes, he's on Lake Michigan. That body of water can eat, it can pick you up and eat you out. And I mean, she can have teeth on her. She can ruin your life. I mean, look at anything, all the Great Lakes, you know. I mean, uh, there's songs written about it, you know, Edmund Fitzgerald and everything else and how much force. We are not the top of the food chain, no matter what we do. You know, if you don't believe me, Come on down and take a walk through pitch black once and listen to those coyotes. And if you don't have shrills going up the back of your spine because you're that confident, all right, then go out to the mountains and camp with the grizzlies. Tell me how tough you are. It's going to humble you real quick. That's what I want my kids to experience in life. But yet at the end of the day, when they experience that, those are the memories that are going to stick out. It's not going to be what paper was due at this certain time. And it's not gonna be how many cases of french fries you sold, or it's not gonna be what style tip-up you use, because it doesn't matter. I use clam, that's what I use because that's what I believe in. 
But if you believe in Beaver Dam or if you believe in HT or if you believe in, you know, any of the other ones, I'm telling you what, then use them. Because I'd rather see you fishing and passing that experience on than saying, oh, I can't go because I don't have that. That's, that's foolish. Absolutely foolish. Enjoy your life. Create memories, have a good time. That TTKO or Take Them Kids Outdoors, that's all it is. It's um, that dad or that mom or that aunt or that grandpa or that neighbor. T-Bone, prime example, Travis Turner, T-Bone. Everybody knows him in the hunting is industry. Happier, happier than happy for his neighbor, da neighbor's daughter to shot a doe. So awesome. You know, he knows where his roots are. It's awesome. I'm not saying that because it's him. I'm just saying that as an example because a lot of people are like, oh, he's in it for himself. And they say the same thing about all of us that are lettered up walking through this, this sports show and everything else. Take the time and stop us and talk to us. That's what we want. We're here because we enjoy hearing your stories. It makes me extremely envious and jealous of the family that walks up and the wife or the girlfriend or the kid or whatever sits there and tells me all the stories because my wife doesn't have that same passion of fishing. She loves hanging out with the family, but to get her out at 10 degrees on a windy day, now if we had one of these, we had a lodge, she'd be sitting in here happy. Oh, she'd just, she'd be, this would create a lot of opportunities for her to come along because it's comfortable. But there's a lot of elements out there that are harsh that we have the gear. We have, you know, big ice suits. We have all the blackfish gear and we have all this to combat that element. But yet you have to have a passion to do it. For sure. You know, so, I don't know. Again, I ramble on. Well, clearly you're passionate about it. Because I think you just went on for about <laughs> 10 minutes. And all I said is, yeah. yeah that's, that's good. <laughs> so, it was, it's, you know, that was actually... My favorite part of the whole interview. We talked about, you know, tip-ups for a while, but it was fun to watch kind of that come out of you and, and, and to hear that. And I think it resonated with a lot of people, and that's why people do what we're doing. That's why people buy these things. That's why people go ice fishing. So mm -hmm. uh, it's great for you to touch on all that stuff. And again, if people want to know more, they go to TTKO. Let's take them kids outdoors on Facebook. Yep. And if people want to know more about you, where do they find you? Uh, man, I got Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and all that good stuff. TTKO, take them kids outdoors. You can go to Pat Kelmerton. You can go to Pat Kelmerton outdoors. You can take a kid outdoors. I think that's one of my, I don't know. You can Google me. You can call me. You can uh, Wolfpack Adventures. You can search that. Um, throw rocks at me. Kick, kick me as I walk past. I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> anyway, all yeah, all over the place. All right, boss. Thank, Thank you. Thank yes, you. sir. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.